Willow, come on now. How y'all doing? Are we in the house? Are we back for the glory of God? Did we make it? Are we surviving? Are we holding on? Are we seeing the fruit of God in this place? Come on, let's give God some praise in this place. Ah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I tell you, I am peacock proud and hyena happy to be up in here with y'all masks up. I see y'all smiling behind the mask, though. I can see the glory of God. Keep it on. Don't take it off. Keep it on. Um, I, I tell you, I am um, I'm excited to be uh, in, in service. I, you know, it's been, a, it's been a year for me as well, um, and it just feels good to be in the household of God. Um, but at the same time, I'm also blown away and how much of the glory of God you can feel watching online. Like, it, it blows me away. We've seen receipt. Re people have come to Christ. The body of Christ has been expanded. So it's, it's blown my mind just as, and I guess I shouldn't be surprised by God at this stage, but he still impresses and blows my mind. So if you're sitting there watching, let me tell you the same glory of God that's moving in this room is moving right there, and he desires to do something amazing in your life. So I know people are watching from all across the world, and I just want to encourage all of us. The Word of God knows no boundary. Amen? Amen. Um, the book of Matthew, they got me, you know, Dave, I mean, he's a new guy around here, so I'm giving him a pass, you know what I mean? But this this guy, he, he, they, they tell me what they want me to preach on, and I, you know, I, I do what they want me to do. This guy's got me preaching on eating. Um, now, now, here's the problem. See, I, Dave, I don't know him that well yet, so I'm still figuring him out. I don't know if this is a compliment or an insult. I don't know if I should be like, praise the Lord, because I love eating, or if I should be offended. You know what I mean? So I'm just going to preach the text, and we'll work it out over coffee one day, Dave. Um, Matthew chapter 9, verse 9, hear these words of our Father. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, a tax collector and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. Uh, when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Uh, on hearing this, Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor but the sick, but go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I have not come to call the righteous but sinners." Uh, Willow, let's pray together. Thank you, Father. It is a joy to be in the presence of your family today, God. So God, as we gather together, your children have gathered together, so speak, O oh Lord, like only you can. Tune our ear to your voice so that we might hear you ever so clearly. Turn our hearts toward you so that we might experience the fullness of all that you have for us. God, it's to that end that I ask that you stand in my body, think through my mind, speak with my vocal cords, those things you would have us say, know, and do. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. Oh, Lord, you are my strength. You are my redeemer. Get glory in this place. 
In Jesus' name, amen. What I, what I love about this series is that it's giving us practical tools to be who God has inevitably called us to be. Um, and, and it doesn't get more practical than a meal. So we're literally going to preach about meals today. Um, and the idea of don't you underestimate the power of a shared table. Don't underestimate the power of a shared table in how God over and over and over uses the table to show up in miraculous ways. The amazing things that can happen when you share a meal with someone. Culturally, sharing a meal was an invitation to be connected, an invitation to affirm one another's um, uh, they're, 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 it's, a, it's expressing a value. Uh, 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 you are valuable. You are seen. Uh, you are loved. So I'm just going to give you the punchline. Today, I hope the goal is that you would intentionally have more meals around a table. Now, I know you're like, Albert, we can barely sit in a room together uh, with COVID. But I, I, you know what? So what? <laughs> Work it out. I've been more creative this year with how I connect with people than ever before. You know, Thanksgiving, I'm from Mississippi. We have about 175 million family members on Thanksgiving all at the same house. That means we got a lot of turkeys, Jack. And and we also have the food turkey, too. Uh, But um, (laughs) some of you will get that later on. Like, oh, he just called his family. Anyway. Yo, we couldn't all be in the same house together. That would have been a super spreader event. We weren't going to do that. But we got on Zoom and with our plates and with our laptops, we shared meals together. Um, With technology, you would be amazed at what you can share. Um, But the big value is connecting with people and watching God move in the midst. There's a book that captures it beautifully. Uh, It's a book called Right Here, uh, Right Now. Listen to this quote. It says, sharing meals together on a regular basis is one of the most sacred practices we can engage in as believers. Missional hospitality is a tremendous opportunity to extend the kingdom of God. We can literally eat our way into the kingdom of God. This is one of the reasons why I became a Christian, y'all, by the way. Um, if, if every Christian household regularly invited a stranger or a poor person into their home for a meal once a week, we would literally change the world by eating. Now, this is the kind of Jesus I want to follow. Come on now, somebody. Um, I... So, so, so today I want to inspire you. I want to encourage you. And some of you say, well, I ain't got a house where I want to invite people up. Go eat outside. Dan, Chicago is the best place in the country to eat outside for a few months of the year. Um, <laughs> so be, be creative. Don't, 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 be, don't allow the, well, I'll get to that at the end. Let me just go and get in. Let, let me just tell you what happens in the text. In, in Matthew, Jesus um, is getting his disciples. He's pulling his disciples together. And, and Matthew's a tax collector. Y'all know about tax collectors in the Bible. They, they are not good people. Uh, they, they, 
they are set up and hired by Rome to go back to their Jewish neighborhoods, their Jewish communities, and to collect taxes on behalf of the Roman government. But in order for them to get their check, they had to hike up the prices. So they would hike up the prices, take advantage of the people so they could pad and pad their own pockets. So they would literally go and take advantage of their people, and it was legit. That was the structure. That was the system. So when Jewish folks saw tax collectors coming, they looked at them as traitors, as sellouts. They were taking advantage of their own people. Matthew was a tax collector. Matthew's sitting at work, and Jesus goes up to Matthew, this tax collector, and says, Jesus as a rabbi, he goes to him and says, follow me. Now, I don't know what's more interesting, the fact that Jesus goes to a tax collector and says, follow me, or the fact that Matthew actually followed him. Matthew got up and followed him. Now, that should tell us something. We shouldn't assume that Matthew just, oh, it was just spiritual. No, 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 no. Like, what would make you, if I came up to your job and said, hey, Harry, follow me. You ain't coming? Like, who do you think you are, Albert, Jerry Maguire? Like, it's not, like, you just don't naturally do that. But there's a reason why that happened with Jesus is because Jesus' reputation preceded him. Jesus' reputation preceded him. Matthew obviously had already seen the fruit of Jesus' life, obviously already seen his influence and impact, obviously saw something in him that said, this is worthy of following. He saw something in him that was worthy of following. Before we even get to the dinner table, before we get to you inviting folks, here's the question. Does your reputation precede you? Have you lived in a way that is worthy of following? Before you go and getting excited about being a witness and all of that, I need, you to know, I need you to know, before you've made the decision to be a witness, you are already a witness. The question is, are you a good one? So what does it mean for us to be what the, what the Bible calls us to be and that salt and light? It's interesting that he calls us salt. One of the elements of salt, several, several, several things about salt, but one of the big things about salt is it creates thirst. Y'all know that's why they give you potato chips and almonds and peanuts when you go to the bar, which personally I've never been to, but Sean tells me about it all the time from his experiences. (laughs) Him him and Dave, when they was picking this passage for me. But, 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 but do you notice, like, they give you, and it's free? So you go sit down, and all of a sudden you get free potato chips, free. It's like, oh, man, how y'all making money? It's like, oh, we just wait a few minutes. You'll see. Because all the things that they give away that are free at the bar are high in salt content. Because they understand the fundamental truth that salt creates thirst. I'm telling you, you should be at your office creating thirst. You should be in your family creating thirst. You're in that neighborhood, in that community, on that block to create thirst. Jesus had created a thirst in Matthew, so when Jesus says, come, follow me, he was already thirsty and hungry for what Jesus was offering and what Jesus was bringing. Are you creating thirst? Are you creating thirst? Are you living in a way that people would desire an invitation, would desire to come and see what your life is about, see what this mission is about, see what this, this, the, your, your love and the way that you give, this kindness, there's something different about you. Are you being salt? He says we should be salt. And he also talks about us being light. He says, he says we should be light. It's amazing how we as Christians, if we don't turn the light on, we'll miss divine appointments all around us. 
we'll miss divine opportunities. We need to turn the light on so that we can see people and see God working in people. Open. It's, it's, it's so good to just slow down, uh, spend time in prayer, listen, so, so, so that when you walk and you see people, maybe God will say, instead of just saying good morning, ask the double how you doing question. What do you mean the double how you doing question? You got the generic, how you doing? Oh, good. But then every now and then, someone will say, no, but, but Albert, how you really doing? And then you're like, huh? Maybe God is saying, if you turn the light on, I've got divine appointments right in front of you that you're missing. You'll be blown away to know how many people would be shocked that you really cared how they were really doing. Because we move so fast. I'm doing good. Da, 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 da. We, we move so fast that we could be missing appointments, that God has placed people in the pathway of you and I so that we could be sought in light for them today. There are moments. And don't just assume about other people. People look, you can't judge a book by its cover. You just can't. So you, so you got to trust God and say, God, show me who to connect with. You, you'll be like this woman who had locked her keys in the car. She's in the parking lot. She locked her keys in the car and the parking lot was empty. Everybody was gone and she was out there by herself. It was nighttime. And she says, Lord Jesus, please, I need your help. Help me because I can't get my keys out of this car. Lord Jesus, help me. As soon as she said, amen, a pickup truck pulls up. Now, a pickup truck pulls up. It's an old school, raggedy looking pickup truck. And the guy that gets out the truck is big, tatted up dude, hair, long hair, those thick pandemic beards that all, a lot of guys are wearing. Thank God for barbershops opening up in Jesus' name. Amen. Oh, hallelujah. Um, but, but he had this big, and you know, honestly, where this lady was from, her culture, how she was raised, this guy looked scary to her. He looks scary to her. So she, look, he, she looks up to God and says, really, God, this is how you're going to answer my prayer? He comes over. He says, ma'am, how you doing? You need, you need help? She says, sir, I've locked my keys in my car and I can't get them out. He says, no problem, ma'am. Goes to his truck, gets some little tool, utensil or something. He comes over, pops the lock, opens the car right, right up, gets the keys. She says, oh, thank you, sir. You're such a good man. Oh, you're such a good man. Thank you. Thank you so much. He says, oh, I'm not a good, I'm not a, I'm not a good man. She says, yes, you are, sir. What do you mean? He says, ma'am, I just got out of jail for seven years for car burglary. And she says, oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You just didn't send me anybody. You sent me a professional. <laughs> I, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is pray that God would send people on your path so that you might be sought light to them. And may you live in a way that creates thirst in the hearts of those that long and desire to know Jesus. And may you live in a way that turns the light on so that you might see divine opportunities all around you. His reputation preceded him. Uh, the second thing that we see from our text is that um, his, Jesus's uh, hospitality was marked by grace. His, his hospitality was marked by grace. You see him in the passage. He goes 
to, to, to Matthew's house. Now, he goes to Matthew's house, a tax collector's house, right? So, and then other tax collectors and sinners come over. So now Jesus is literally hanging out at the crib. I'm, I'm sorry, crib. A uh, place of residence for that young Matthew uh, tax collector. He's, 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 he's hanging out at the crib with Matthew. Matthew's friends coming over, and you know, they turning up, doing what sinners do. So they up in there kicking it. And Jesus is literally in the room kicking it with sinners, And then it happens. Jesus is welcoming to sinners and at the same time frustrating to religious people. I'll say that again. He's welcoming to sinners, but he's frustrating to the religious. The Pharisees, they, they see this and they pull one of the friends over, one of the other disciples over, and they say, look, look at that. that's y'all leader up in there. That's, y'all, that's y'all's leader up in there hanging out with tax collectors and sinners. Is that what y'all are doing? Jesus overhears the Pharisees and listens to, listen to this rebuke. He says, you desire, uh, he, says, he says, the word of God, he quotes an Old Testament passage. He says, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. What he's doing is he's calling them out because Pharisees, they love the law. <laughs> they loved the rules. They were, they were that kid in class. You know, the kid that, you know, that I wanted to beat up often. You know what I mean? You got a big paper due, but you ain't done the paper. And you make it all the way through class, and the teacher don't even ask for the paper. Three minutes before the bell ring, hey, hey, Mr. Sampson, Mr. Sampson, what about our papers? Should we turn our papers in? I'm going to turn you into the emergency room. You opening up your big mouth, you know what I mean? But, but they, because he was proud that he had done the work. That's how Pharisees, they prided themselves on getting the law perfected. As a matter of fact, they perfected all the laws and they was like, yo, let's make up some more laws so we can, so we can perfect even more law. It's like a kid saying, I've done all my homework. Can you give me more? Shut up. What is wrong with you? Who are you, guy? Those were the Pharisees. And they would look down their noses and they would arrogantly and pride themselves on knowing all the laws, knowing all the rules, knowing get all the law. In that sacrificial life, they would, they would look at And Jesus says, yeah, 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 you know the laws, but you don't live them. It's not, a, it's, not about, it's not about what's in your head, Pharisees. It's about what's in your heart. It's about desperately longing and needing God and showing that love, not just to God, but to other people. He calls them out and he says, I've come for people that need help and know it. Not that the Pharisees didn't need help. They were just too arrogant to know it. It it matters how we love God by how we love people. Let me say that again. It's a big deal to God with not just how we love him, but you can't love him well without loving your neighbor well. It matters how we love one another. Jesus says, I'm hanging out with people who need love, who need to know who I am. And and you say you represent me, Pharisees, but you're not even loving them. And guess what? You don't represent me. You represent the laws of me, but you don't represent the love of me. And that means you don't represent me. Let me tell y'all something. It ain't enough just to go to church. It's not enough just to read your Bible every day. You can read your Bible every day and still be a jerk to your neighbor. 
Some of you, you have daily devotionals and daily prayer time, but you're the mean lady at work. What do you mean the mean lady at work? You know how every, every office got a mean lady? You know what I mean? Oh, that's the mean. Oh, she is mean. She got a bad attitude every single day. How you doing? Like, you know what I mean? Like, just, like, just the mean lady. How shocked would people be to come to church and see you over here in this section and be like, what? The mean lady goes to Willow? Yo, they go back to work. I saw the mean lady at the 9 a.m. service at Willow. Can you believe that? (laughs) It matters how we love. It's not enough to have the truth. How we deliver the truth matters. How we share the truth matters. How we love really, really matters. I, um, when I was a kid on Thursday nights, um, I used to watch the, uh, the Cosby show where he, Cliff Huxtable, uh, would, uh, and Claire Huxtable, it's this particular episode where Vanessa comes, uh, Vanessa comes home and she brings Dabness, uh, her new fiancé. And they're like, what? You got a fiance? You ain't tell nobody? They met when he was cutting the grass around the begonia bush. Uh, he, Cliff, and Claire are furious that Vanessa has had this whole relationship and didn't tell us. And so they're frustrated. And Damnus is wondering, hey, what's wrong? Why don't y'all like me? He, Cliff, sits, sits Damnus down and says, Damnus, it's like this. You... Tell me, what's your favorite food? You like a good steak? He says, oh, yeah, I love a good steak. He says, uh, what you like with your steak? Ah, oh, some, some potatoes, some green beans. Oh, you like potatoes and green beans with your steak? How you like your steak cooked? Uh, uh, medium, medium, not this rare stuff. Come on now, y'all, yes. Y'all, y'all be messing with me with this rare stuff. But he says, he says, medium, I like it medium. I like it. He says, oh, so you take a good steak, right? You got your potatoes on the side. You got your green beans. You take the good steak, and you take that beautiful steak, and you put it on a garbage can lid. He says, Dabness, that's the, way you were, that's the way you were delivered to us. And I think many of us, that's the way we deliver the word of God. Instead of being known for our love, we've become known for our doctrine. Instead of being known for our love, we've become known for what we don't believe. And we take something beautiful, something amazing, and something loving, and we present it on a garbage can lid. We present it with bad attitudes. We present it with selfishness. We present it with self-righteousness. We present it with pride and arrogance. Jesus is calling out the Pharisees and says, yeah, you present great truth terribly, absent of love and compassion. Not only should our our reputations precede us, friends, but our hospitality should be marked by the grace of God. You know how we got here? By the grace of God. It wasn't my goodness. It wasn't because I was so kind or so perfect. Cha, I ain't nowhere near perfect. I fell almost every other day. Uh, and, then, and then twice on Sundays most of the time. It's, I'm only standing here because of God's grace. So if I'm standing here because of God's grace, how dare I not extend to my brother and my sister the same grace that I get daily that I have to have in order to breathe? So may our hospitality, may our invitation, may our comings and goings, may our interactions be marked by the grace that we receive daily. It matters the temperature at which you deliver it. 
God's love, it needs to be it needs to be extended at the right temperature. I remember when the vaccine first got released and got announced. I was like, oh, yes, finally the vaccine. But then I was watching the news and I was like, wait a minute now. They were talking about how the vaccine, it works, but it's got to be delivered at a certain temperature or else it doesn't work at all. And I was like, now, Lord, now what we... Now, now we got to have, do I got to buy Sub-Zero freezer? Like, how are we going to do this thing? Who got, uh, uh, last time I was at CVS, they didn't have no freezers back then. How are we going to do this? So all across the country, all across the world, they're buying these high-end freezers so that the vaccine can be delivered at the right temperature. Because although it is the right vaccine and the right formula, if it's delivered at the wrong temperature, it will not work. Come on, if you get it early, I won't have to preach as long. Do y'all see me coming? Y'all see where I'm going? I'm telling y'all, we got the right vaccine, but it's got to be delivered at the temperature of love, compassion, and grace. Ooh, that's good, ain't it? Come on. It's got to be delivered at the right temperature. Y'all, we got the right message. Let's get the right temperature. And And the temperature is love. It's grace. It's compassion. Because if we don't deliver it at the right temperature won't be effective. It won't be effective. That's what we see Jesus doing at this table. Third and finally, um, his, Jesus is, his moves were driven by his mission. I'll say that again. His moves, Jesus' moves were driven by his mission. These people would just be baffled at what Jesus would do. Where are you going, Jesus? What you doing over there? Are you seriously with those people? Are you seriously doing that? Well, he had a vision. He had a mission and he knows how this story is going to end. And every now and then we need to go back to the end of the book and see how the story is going to end. Revelation chapter seven, verse nine, it says there we will be around God's throne. Every tongue, tribe, every nation, every race, all declaring worthy is the lamb that was slain. He says, we're going to all be there together. So I'm starting working now to fulfill that mission. He always, he just always went too far. He always crossed the line. He crossed the line. There were cultural lines as a Jew that you just did not cross. Jesus would cross them all the time. He went to Samaria. Ain't got no business being over there in Samaria. We don't like them people. They don't believe what we believe. They didn't intermarry. We call them mutts. We don't even like to be around them. Where'd Jesus go? Right on through to Samaria. Peter, Peter was tripping. Peter was like, yo, Paul over there with them Gentiles and they over there eating, doing un-Jewish stuff. I know they said they believe in Jesus, but they need to believe in these Jewish cultures. They are tripping. And what did, what did, what did the Lord say to Peter? Peter, go over there and eat some pork chops. Go over there and eat some ribs, get you some chitlins. Don't you call nothing I made unclean. Yes, chitlins, in the name of Jesus, go over there. What is he telling Peter to do? Cross the line. Cross the line. What did Jesus do in Samaria? Cross the line. Paul, what were you doing? He was crossing the line. All I'm saying is that you set your table, your table should be marked by people who cross the line. Your your table shouldn't be all white. Did he just say that? Yes, I did. Hello. Welcome back, Albert. Come on now. Your, your, Your table shouldn't be all white. Shouldn't be all black. 
Shouldn't be all Asian. Shouldn't be all Latino. Why? Because how's the story going to end? We're going to all be there together, so we might as well start practicing now. If we're going to stand around the throne, we start, start sitting around the table. Amen? Your, your table should have donkeys at it and elephants. And in the name of Jesus, if I'm coming, I'm bringing the lamb. Some of you get that tomorrow. You'll get it tomorrow. Jesus is the lamb. Jesus is the lamb. Your table should cross the line. I, I guess what I'm saying is you should intentionally seek out people that don't look like you, don't live like you, don't vote like you. Because the love of Jesus Christ should go beyond your comfort and what's familiar to you. That's how you stretch. That's how you learn more. That's how we stamp out racism. That's how we get rid of the bigoted and the injustices and the bias because the people of God are doing the work of God and that's by loving all the children of God. Woo! Come on in here, somebody. I said the people of God are doing the work of God by loving on all the children of God. All the children of God. And, and, and I think that's what God is saying. Let's set up tables that cross the line. Let's set up tables that cross the line. Let's set up coffees. Let's set up Zoom calls that cross the line so that we might be stretched and so that we might extend God's love. There are people that don't know Jesus. Let's set tables that are stained with his blood and invite those to come. There are all kinds of reasons why you, there there are all kinds of excuses you can come up with why you shouldn't do this. Too much work, too much intentionality. But can I just tell you, the greatest gift you can give yourself is obedience to God. Did did y'all hear that? That ought to make it to Twitter. That ought to make the Twitter cut right there. The greatest gift you can give yourself is obedience to God. When it comes to the value of missional tables, can I tell you, God is calling us to set them and invite people to them. What would it mean if you just, despite all the excuses you can come up with, if you just be obedient? If you would be obedient and give that gift to yourself of obedience to God. The second thing is some of the greatest joy that you will ever experience in your life comes from being on mission, from fulfilling the mission of God, doing what God has called you to do, going out on mission. Some of the greatest joy you will ever have, the greatest moments, the greatest favor, the greatest excitement will come when you are obedient to God and you do what he said, when you fulfill the mission. My friend Ricky Jenkins, as I go to my seat, he He's, um, he, he lives out in the Palm Springs, Coachella Valley area, um, and, and they, he just has a beautiful backyard. It's a backyard that makes me envious. It makes me all, it, the backyard, I put it this way, it almost ruined our friendship. I saw that and I was like, this is, this is, this is ridiculous. I am not your friend anymore. Like, it's, just, it's that nice. It looks like a hotel. Um, but in his landscape, in his shrubbery, he's, where he lives, they've got rats out there. And the rats love that shrubbery, love running around, and he out having nice dinner parties, and all of a sudden a rat go running by. And then I was thinking, now that's more like it. I like that. Um, his wife was out there the other day with some girlfriends, and a rat came running by, and it just freaked out her friend. She was like, she, she called Ricky, and she was furious. She says, hey, hey, listen to me. You got one choice. Either the rat goes or I go. And he pulled his boys together, four-year-old, six-year-old boys. He says, guys, we got a mission. 
Mama, mama's going to leave if we don't get this rat. So we got to kill this rat. So the mission, y'all, is we got to kill this rat. So they went to the store and Target and bought these big traps and all these big, this crazy trap. And they set them all up in the backyard. And the boys are like, we're on a mission, Dad. We're going to get these rats. And they would go out every day to check and see if they got the rat, if they got the rat. And then the day happened early in the morning. The boys went out there and checked and they went and woke Dad up. Dad, Dad, we got the rat. We got the rat. They were so excited. Out of their excitement, one of them looked up and said, oh, my goodness, Dad, this is a Marius. It's like, a Marius? Did you just make up a word? He was so joyful. He mixed, he took amazing and hilarious and made up a word. He said, I'm so excited about what we just did. I'm a Marius. I guess what I'm trying to say is when you fulfill God's mission and when you are faithful and obedient and does what he's called you to do, you will look up to heaven and say, God, I'm so thankful for this joy that I have. I'm so thankful for this hope that I have. I'm so thankful for this peace that I have. Jesus, I am a Marius for his glory. Amen.